Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Latest Shiny. This uh, episode, I have a returning guest, Eric Wright, who is here to talk with me about um, Luke Canny's uh, post about enterprise sales and challenges, and we're going to wander over that and everything in between because Eric has uh, been spinning up a new podcast that I want him to talk about and, of course, his day job at Turbonomics. So, Eric, go ahead and, and give us your voice. All right. Well, yeah, thanks. And this is uh, glad to be back. I, I can no longer do the old like first time, long time. Like this is uh, I'm, I'm repeated guest, uh, which is which is fun. And thanks for for having me on. Uh, and of course to Stephen and the crew for doing great production. Um, yeah, my name is Eric Wright. I'm the technology evangelist at Turbonomic. Uh, back when you could still be an evangelist and not get get trounced upon for using that term. I, I, I'm I haven't become an advocate yet. I'm working on that one, but we'll, we'll figure out that's that's a podcast unto itself. Uh, yes, and. Uh, a podcaster, a purveyor of of information that's hopefully useful. Uh, you can actually find that. It's at discopossepodcast.com. Very recently rebranded, uh, which is kind of a, a, a fun story, but um, it's uh, we can choose how far we want to we want to chase that that rabbit down the hole. Well, and you well, and you've been talking about it on the podcast, so it's one of my regulars, and I, I highly recommend um, people tune into Eric and, and listen to his thoughtful conversations. Uh, about technology, business of technology, uh, you, you do a, you do a pretty broad range of, of items. Um, slightly different focus than latest shiny, so it's fun to, to create the Venn uh, diagram uh, and, and dive in and talk about something um, that intersects both our, our our interests. Yeah, it's really it's interesting. I started off like it was it was GC on demand, so Green Circle Community is the like online community for for my company at Turbonomic and. And I kind of had this idea of like, well, why don't I just do a podcast? I was doing one. I had the idea to do one anyways, and then it kept going. And I was all associated with work, but I have it not be associated with work. It was a weird, like loosely coupled uh, to to the work thing. And what happened was after doing it for a while, I I started to hit this weird stride where I realized I'm like, ah, I wasn't sure what I was that I was doing what I expected it to do, and I, I didn't know that I was happy with. <clears throat> you know what I was going to get out of it, and, and what my listeners like. So I, I, I just I stopped looking at numbers. I stopped doing any of that stuff, and I actually stopped for a while. I was so busy. And then what happened was I went back and I went through like iTunes and through the podcast, and I found people leaving comments like, "Hey, I love this episode, and thank you very much for sharing this," and like really dug in. And I started noticing when I stopped, emails would come in, and people were like, "Hey, when's the next one? It's been a while." And and so I said, "Well." Okay, I'll I'll test the waters on it. So I did a couple more, and what found what happened was everybody kept saying like, "Hey, when's your your you know new Disco Posse podcast coming out?" I'm like, "It's it's actually not called that, but uh, hey, thanks for listening." <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna wrestle it and and totally brand it." I stole the idea like way back when. These are my Canadianisms of the you'll hear me say project and process and and about funny and stuff like that, but. In in Canada, they have this thing called Brewers Retail. That was where you used to go to buy your beer. For years, of course, my 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 dad would take me. We'd go for a ride, and we'd he'd go. And we're going to the beer store. We would call it. And then after like three decades of calling it Brewers Retail, they finally gave in. They said everybody but us calls it the beer store. Let's rebrand it called the beer store. So that's like if everybody's but me is calling it the Disco Posse Podcast, I'm, I'm ripping it and I'm I'm taking the branding. <laughs> When you got a brand that works, you got to run with it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a funny thing. And luckily, I was weird because I thought, oh, I don't want to like I don't want to take it from work, but it never really, it didn't 
it didn't directly map and and it worked out well in the people that are at work i get more people at work listening and like the url redirected and stuff like that so you know, we'll see how it all works out but i'm having fun and oh boy like we're the con like you said the conversations are very different i'm kind of diving a bit more of like touched on some of the personal productivity stuff i've got one that's coming up we're literally just talking about music and you know guitar with a good friend of mine who, who runs a small business as a music school and then I've got, uh, it goes in many directions. So I'm kind of aiming for the, the Tim Ferriss thing. I'm just going to find really interesting people, talk about what they're really interested in. And then if you like it, cool. If not, skip that episode and, and hopefully you find something else. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. It's one of those, we, we sort of have been trying to di dive into the uh, tech intermediate, the 201 topic. So if, if you're a longtime listener, um, hopefully that's the groove you like. Let us know. Um, I know, you know, Eric and I are both very receptive to uh, what people like, what, what works, um, and also what fits, you know, we're scratching our itch uh, with this and, and our attention. So well, it's just like every startup, really, you think of like, here's a problem that I've got, and I'm going to try and solve this problem through conversation. And, you know, just like every startup, if, if you find a bunch of people that have that same problem. So it's kind of neat. And man, I really dig, I, I like I like how you approach it and I like that, you know, the people you get on, you get some really neat people. It's we're lucky that we have access to such a good community of folks that really like to share stories. And, and it's good because you can go through and maybe, you know, like we used to say, save you a click. I'll save you a, you know, who knows, I could save you a year of pain, you know, on trying to build a, a sales organization or a product management team. Like, hey, here's some weird stuff that we found that, that didn't work out or I'll save you mm -hmm. starting an open source project and... <laughs> That's <laughs> few few things. We That's our, our theme for 2019 is say we're going to save people from open source projects, yeah. um, or at least from building open source projects they can't monetize. Um, That's a tough uh, one. Oh, I, I, I yeah, love that subject. I love that subject. God, we so, could do, so we could do that. Actually, on that. <laughs> that actually might be a tie-in because I, I do want to jump into uh, Luke's article. So um, we'll we'll have it in the show notes. But this is uh, Luke Kenny's who was one of the founders of uh, Puppet Labs, a great operational luminary, and you know, has wrote a, this long form blog post uh, about um, what I learned from enterprise. What's the exact title, Eric? Oh, yes, my losing battle with enterprise sales, which is uh, it's funny. He, he did such a great job of of leading it. It's really it's neat because it's a personal story. And, and like Luke tells such a great story anyways. Uh, and it comes out. His voice really came out. And I would encourage people as well, like chase down some of Luke's talks and, and other articles. Like he's he really, really knows how to how to put this down uh, on paper and or virtual paper and, and tell it really, really well. So, you know, uh, Luke really came out of a time when we were trying to fix IT and operations and, and has really thought deeply about it. And, and I appreciate that. Yeah. So this article really had two bridges, right? It, he's, he lays out the problem and then you got to read down to the bottom third to get to sort of the the insight um, or the, the, the relief, as it will. Did you find it that way? Yeah, I, it, there's there really was this arc, you know, it was like watching a great Netflix, you know, movie, you know, that because you you had this thing, you're like, oh, I see where the story is going. I'm like, oh, we like this is funny. I kind of dig it. Then all of a sudden, like, ooh, oh, that took a turn. And and it really led you into where the title came from. It's uh, God, I'm going to steal the style for for every story I've got to tell it, it, it. And it's fun. These are it's a really interesting close to home thing, whether you're a consumer of technology or a creator of technology, th this is meaningful, right? Because if you're a buyer of tech, 
it kind of helps you to understand what the other side's like and and this whole weirdness around the word enterprise sales. So, so lay out, lay out, lay out the problem and the surprise for me, because um, I want to, I want to then build off of that. Well, I think the what was neat was you know his story starts with the idea of like hard lessons learned, and and again, like I said, Luke's you know very catchy style. He says, "I learned some great lessons, mostly how not to do things." And the idea of like how to approach sales, where just like basically shimming in a. a a group of people or a person and calling it enterprise sales in order to be, you know, filling this gap that was there in, in a platform or a product or, or company, whatever. Uh, and then he goes through a couple of different real, like firsthand examples uh, and then talks about organizational challenges. And it, then there's the neat thing of, you know, what are you actually doing and how are you effectively you know, creating this enterprise sales thing? And I want to call out just the two quotes that he separated them out nicely and, and they stands out for a reason. You know, he says, oh, sorry, God, I've, I actually got hive in front of me, but I scrolled through here. So always listen to what your customers tell you, but never to what they say. Never do what they say. And then the second one is, are you building the product for the person who buys it or the one who uses it? And then this becomes this whole battle of understanding, you know, your, if you're a fan of, of medic and all these different sort of sales things. It's the idea of like your economic buyer and who are you selling to the person that's going to, going to write the check for it, understand this, this high, you know, intrinsic value that we've got. And then you've also got to sell the technology down towards the, the practitioner architect. Someone's actually going to use it. And it was really interesting how he talks about navigating the weeds internally with how to tell the story and, you know, and in the end, he was really kind of struggling with this idea of like, look, who do you want me to sell to? So, yeah, again, we I've gone through this personally with my own team and, and I've watched other startups and I've, had, I've done some advisory work with some folks. And, and it's true. You know, you really see that the thing you're excited about, that's like that technology battle that you can you can save somebody fighting. That's you, even if they're in an enterprise company, that doesn't mean that you're doing enterprise sales. The motion of it and the way you approach the messaging and all this stuff, it's it's very, very different. And I like, again, sorry, I've been talking way too long, but here's one more thing, right? He says, we're still super early as an industry in our understanding of how to build a product that doesn't rely on enterprise sales. And this is it, uh, right? So that there, this is, yeah, this is that you got, you got, you got there. And it, I think it's important for people to have read this article and also not gloss it because it's the back it's the back half to me where these insights come from and where I want to take it with you. Yeah, and it's like his when he it's a weird thing too when you talk about deal sizes and and you know how even class, you know, when does it become enterprise sales? Is it the motion? Is it the size of the deal? Is it the revenue of the company that you're selling into? Is it the person who's buying it? It's uh it, it's a really interesting thing that everybody should think about, even as they're like, if you're creating a one-time product that you want to use with a bunch of your friends, I really, I subscribe to the idea that I should treat it like a startup. I should treat it like a, a thing I've got to sell as value to somebody else. And, you know, to go class, you know, there's a difference between price and sales this is the Warren Buffett thing, right? He says, price is what you pay, but value is what you get. Yeah, that's it's a different thing when you, you have to separate price from value. And, and this is where my head has really been going because, you know, the thing that jumped out at me was this, the phrase of you succeed when you to, in, on your ability to manage the interpersonal relationships of warring sub teams at your customer instead of the strength <laughs> of your product. Yeah. And right, this, this is what makes enterprise sales 
a thing. It's that you know when when you are selling into an enterprise, it's you have to deal with their politics. Yeah, you find out very quickly that that machine is not as smooth internally. And having come out of it and operated data centers and and helped to run teams and led you know micro teams in a large IT ops group. That's it. Like you, you could get a complete champion for like, I really love this tool. And then I'll, I'll show you someone one cubicle away who hates that product and that the person that's sitting beside them <laughs> because they use it. It's, it's a weird thing that you discover. And just like we go in, when you go with a product into a company, you don't go in there saying like, this is an amazing thing. It doesn't do a bunch of stuff. And actually this may or may not highlight a couple of bugs we've got. Oh boy, don't use it on the cloud and on premises. And ooh, if you get 200 objects, it gets a little weird. Like you never lead with that. You're like, this does amazing things, period. And, you know, let's show it. And it, you, you don't discover it until you're using it. And the same thing occurs when you're going in, you're doing proof of concepts and you're going through these navigational things and like i'll share my team's like kind of approach this stuff we've got a really neat thing we've done but i i, I would i really want to dig in on, on what your thoughts are on this so th this is where I, I i think things are really interesting because like with what rackend does we automate the, the compute we could automate the network and when people ask us to we're like yes but no um and they're like, well, why don't you? And we're like, because it's a political nightmare. We can't get the ops team, the compute team, and the networking team on the same page. And if we started there, we would never move anywhere. You'd, that, they, you'd have to solve that, that fight first. Um, and for, for me, enterprise sales, and, and Luke didn't, doesn't spill this out as much, is that you need an internal champion. Part of the, this, this process is having somebody inside an organization who will fight for you and then helping them drive that fight. Um, because anytime you're extracting money from an organization, if you don't think it's a fight, um, maybe you have a great product that, that doesn't require that, but somewhere somebody's writing a check and you have to have somebody inside that organization explain the value proposition to other people. Um, and if you don't, um, something really interesting is, is happening. Um, and it, let's, let's assume that you don't have a product that doesn't require you to justify it. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's a whole un, a whole episode into itself. The idea of like how we do justification, and and he talks about procurement and and offsetting cost and 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 ways you do that. That's that's a different beast unto itself. It it is, but here's here's where my my you know thought to call you came up. In open source, we have free, and one of the things that people can do with free is they can bypass this conversation just like with cloud on credit cards they could bypass this conversation and what what we end up with if you're bypassing enterprise sales if you take this article at from the headline and you're like oh, i don't want to deal with enterprise sale i'm just going to empower a per a team to go do their stuff with free or credit card only software then that organization has never had the conversation to actually make a decision about, about implementing your technology cross organization. It, it's, it's stealthily ended up there. It's one of the original problems with open source in general. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and it can either be a boon for you if you get it so sort of like 
just so virally involved in their day to day, then you could come in with like the missing feature. And then that becomes like, ah, okay, here's your your hook and, and a way to actually sort of bring that, you know, quote, enterprise version of it. But it's funny that yeah, there's this real dichotomy in in open source uh, communities and open source ecosystems of the idea that like, yeah, we're going to charge money for something because if it's free, what the one of the problems we've got is that IT operations people like cyclists have incredibly high pain tolerance and the ability to chase things for hours. Like it's, uh, I I see whenever I see <laughs> people the, in IT, this is, first, like, this is the first ops ops person, um, you know, competitive premier athlete analogy I've I've had on the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's truly like the Tour de France of of IT operations, where <clears throat> people will grind it out day after day. And be very pleased with coming up in 212th place because they were at the big game, right? If you're in a big organization, you're heroically celebrated for having done something that's really wasn't wasn't heroic. Like the the true heroism was in how did she do something that you never had to do that thing again, you know? Or so there's this there's this weird gross willingness to just like keep doing things over and over again, and and or do it off hours or do it. Do it in, in these these weird like Rube Goldberg automation systems, gluing together scripts. And hey, look, that's how you get further. And I I don't say don't do that, but don't do it forever. I <laughs> you've got to. There's a point where you say like, hmm, I've got to actually buy this. If I bought this thing, the enterprise version of it, what what, what would it mean? And it's funny. And then the other side of it, or any and, and, what, and what would it free up in my time to go do other value pieces? Right. right. Or what, what would it what would it force my organization to get more people on board to so that I didn't have to be doing this, you know, sort of the backdoor way. And the pricing thing is a really weird one because I I used to do this. This is my my you know my thing. I would grind on people that had a product, and I and it says like you know dollar sign call for enterprise like. You know, five node license, it's 189 bucks a piece, whatever. Like, you know, it's always something, but it's always like dollar sign call when you get to the enterprise one. I'm like, look, kids, this is not how we're going to play because I know you're going to call me and then you're going to want my CIO in the room. And then you're going to want to explain to that CIO to, that you're going to tell her, guess what? How much do you spend on operations, you know, day-to-day -day management for this kind of a task? Every year, what's the salary of like immediately they're working backwards on this like salary negotiation. And I would be like, mm -mm, no, 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 because <laughs> my CIO did tell me one time when I was at an org, he said, if you tell me that this would effectively reduce the an FTE, he says, I want a name beside it because we're going to fire that person. And then you'd <laughs> be like, oh, well, clearly that's not how we're going to justify the cost. You'd say, all right. Then let's look at what other like second and third order value stuff we're going to get and show me what that is. And also, guess what? Now it's your name on that FTE because if you can't do the second order value stuff as a result of this, you know, savings in quotes, then you know, we got to talk about how we're buying software. I, I guess, I mean, that's that's the saving side of it. To me, there's the value side of it. I, I haven't met an ops team who was ahead of the curve, who wasn't underwater, who wasn't you know, Abe wasn't slowing their organization down because they couldn't absorb, keep up. They couldn't absorb new technologies and they were getting end run, which only added to their workload over time. Um, 
Well, and and we think that the idea that it was like, well, you know, we've got the cloud now. You're like, well, if you're using the cloud, guess what? You're just now using a thing that's getting you to pain faster. And because you're not even fixed the first first process, right? It's, this is theory of constraints playing out in real life at, at a rapid rate. You know, it's just that we we just get to pain faster. But you're right. You know, it's we we are very good at hiding kind of like you know oh no this is everybody does this and like uh you know we've got a lot more transparency in this world and you know there's huge opportunities to get rid of that and like i said the the, the cost offset is one piece which is kind of always the like that enterprise style conversation but what it really very quickly a good cio or a good it ops team an architecture team an app team will say like wait a second we can get an environment stood up in like a few hours instead of three weeks. It doesn't need to be minutes instead of days. Like it doesn't need to be this like, you know, 10,000% increase. What it is is like, I can do the same thing repeatedly without having to be living through pain. And then I can do the rest, the next thing faster. That's that's where the money is. And I mean, the money money is in like, yay, and <laughs> not money is in dollars. It's value. It's, but, yeah. but there's something, but there's something different going on going on with this that I think Luke gets to in this article, but not as not as like hit you over the head as I as I want to be. <laughs> which is which is this. When things cost money, people take them seriously. Right. And if you're if you're selling, you, know, you and I are selling, or a company is implementing a tool, and the company came together and decided to spend money on it, then people in multiple groups and and the the person who signed off on that are going to align to make sure it works instead of saying, "Oh, I didn't like that you picked, you know, container management uh, system du jour." I'm going to go implement my own with my credit card or implement my own because it's free. It's not free. It, it's going to cost the organization something to maintain it over time. But, but what we've done is we've short-circuited the getting the team, the customer, our customer, the, the, the implementer on board to work together. You know, the money is actually part of what drives the organizational alignment as, as a checkpoint. It, it's important. It's like, you know, when, when you pay, I've done a lot, I've done a fair bit of consulting in my life, uh, some of it free and some of it for, for money. Uh, and free consulting doesn't get used. Right. Right. You show up and you're like, you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you advice. It's like, no, nobody's on board with this advice. I can throw it away. You start paying for the advice and you're going to decide really fast if it's worth using or not. Yeah, I wonder if there's, we need like a, we need the, you know, I, we talk about like the sunk cost fallacy and, and how it actually plays out. And, you know, it's really, it's like, it stems from game theory and, and, and behavioral economics and psychology. The same thing occurs with open source. Right? It's like the idea of like, if it's free, it has, it has seems to have less value because it, it's been given away for free. I've even got a, like a little off the side of the desk thing I'm doing, which for with like mentoring. And at one point it, it's gotten to the point where it's actually so well used now that people are saying like, there's no way this can be free. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> and it isn't. <laughs> and, and because when they're committed to that thing, like when, when you put somebody through and they have a monetary commitment to it, they're like, oh, whew, I got to spend, I got to make sure this thing works. I got to, I can't just let it fly. Uh, you know, there's, there's bound to be some stuff that's going to slip, but you definitely have 
they have skin in the game at that point because there's there's real capital being in, involved in it. Then they have an expectation. And what's funny, there's also reciprocity. When you're spending money and you get something back, you then bi-directionally involve them in the success of this progress, right? So it's you come in, you here's your here's your not free thing. And they're like, this free thing doesn't work like I expected to. Like, ah, okay, because I need your help to get some work done. You can kind of keep working back and forth and you kind of ratchet up this ladder of, of value. And then you're like, okay. So even though they did some care and feeding that you asked them to do, they didn't plan on doing, they dug it. Like they were like, okay, well, the, you kept, we, we went back and forth you know, versus a lot of same thing. If it's free, you kind of just like, you know, read the docs and like send them to a, you know, a, an open doc site and life is good. That's great. You need that. But when that's the only support you get, because you can't wrap a capital spend support agency around it, like it's, you definitely will see the lower success of that adoption because the moment they hit pain, they don't have a bi-directional investment in it. They don't, if I hit a problem, like I'm, I like to go in and submit like, hey, I found a problem with your documentation. I did it with you know, OpenStack, with Kubernetes. I've been with a bunch of these things. It's this weird thing. I'm like, oh, I find a problem. And I look and like, no one else seems to be saying anything, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it you know, because I've got a vested interest in it because I'm doing other things in that ecosystem. But if I'm looking at adopting the product and that's all I care about, I'm just going to turn around and say, docs are wrong. I, can I trust the rest of this product? It was free anyway, so whatever. Then we've you know carried on this problem. Yeah, this is this is where it gets sort of sort of tied up together, right? I, I think you're talking about personal investment and somebody using the product. How do you think that translates into the team investment? Well, that's what's even better, right? Because you'd imagine the each the team dynamic is already challenging enough. Let alone if you suddenly have like different personalities that you have to pull into a sales cycle and get them to like each find their own their percept uh, perception of value for that thing that process that whatever it is and you know like luke talked about and, and you and i have talked about and you know we we hear these conversations that sometimes go unsaid for some reason that there's there's trouble in the teams and it's natural. It's, it's, it's bound to occur. If you find me a team that has more than two people on it <laughs> and there's no, no difficulty, like, no, 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 this is a fantasy novel. This is not a real actual team. Well, but, but, I would, but I would argue that, that it's as long as the team is not, um, you know, is talking. Then, then you want these other opinions. You want people, right? My co-founder and I disagree about things all the time. We know we disagree and we keep talking about it. And he's like, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this again. Ah, and he's right. Yes. And he's right. And, and, and my answer is you're, you're right because we keep collecting more data um, where we agree. We, we stop talking about it. But you know, where we disagree, it, there's, there's still an issue to resolve. And he, you know, I, I find that that makes our organization resilient because we're looking over each other's shoulders um, rather than, you know, one of the dangers that you, that Luke is pointing out here is that if you, if you have these silos, silos are not looking out for each other. They're not having hard conversations. The enterprise sales process actually should be driving 
teams to discuss what they're doing, how to improve, how one organization's choice to buy something or invest in something translates into other organizations needing to support it. Right. And that, that to me is the, the, the thing that Luke is pointing out here that, that is easy to miss. We, we typically think of sales as bad or marketing as, as, you know, lying to us, um, which it, those are totally false, right? We're, what we're doing is this is how we're engaging with the commercial process, right? This is how companies make decisions, um, understanding value and, and being willing to, uh, buy, you know, pay, pay into the ecosystems and support them. Um, and if, if you look at it only one direction, you've, you've missed it. That's what I, Luke sort of opened up, opened up that conversation. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I guess it's interesting in looking at like the people dynamics of, of the way this, of stuff that's worked, like you said, it's your, you know, you and, and the ability of your founding group to be able to say like, all right, here's a, we know we got to get to some kind of resolution. There's going to be a give and take and it's good. And it draws you into the conversation. And for the most part, I think people are better. Uh, you know, I've, oh boy, I came through some silos. I was a silo aficionado. And and because I wanted to get as vertical as I could in that silo, figure out who was the top, who was the bottom, who actually sees what's going on, and then who has the ability to affect the the adjacent silo. And when there isn't one that I became that one, it was I chose early to like be that server person that went to talk to the network team. And I even at some point used to have people like, why are, why are you talking to the network guys? They're kind of like, they're a different team. You're not supposed to talk to them. Like, like it was like this weird thing. Like I was like hanging around with drug dealers. I'm like, no, because like I need help. And when I need help at three in the morning, <laughs> I've I got some coax for you. <laughs> exactly. I want a guy who can hook me up. So <sighs> what ended up happening was they became invested in, in the success of related things that we had. And that really kind of broke down that silo. And ironically, I actually ended up teaching my network team, like I got them all Cisco certified because I had gotten the certification. So I was doing them like off the side of the desk classes on it to help them get certified. And then what happened to the rest of my server team, they became very friendly with the network team because they realized like, oh, wow, we can get stuff faster. And, and we have a vested interest in the success of everything we do together. And when the network team brings in a new thing that could affect us, same way with software, same way with hardware, so with whatever process we bring in, you you saw that you you will be affected by this. So you want to be involved in the conversation to at least be aware of it and hopefully to affect the outcome in a valuable way. And and that's like, yeah, and like I said, mm -hmm. I think of I I I hope that everybody's gotten past the silo piece, but I keep bumping into it. <laughs> we're, we're closer yeah. in, in some spots, but you know, all it is is that we, we, we call them different labels. We call it whatever. Um, you know, I, we, we fought about DevOps and, and no ops and all this weird stuff. And I, I always laugh. I call it ops ops. It's like having one part of the operations team talk to the other. That's if you're doing that, you're successful, you're getting there, you know, and then we can get a little bit further. <laughs> I, but I mean, I think it's really very tempting. This is why serverless, you know, gets people excited and even can, Kubernetes. It's like, I don't want to mess with infrastructure anymore. It's like, all right, somebody in your organization is going to mess with infrastructure. Even if that means you're outsourcing it to the public cloud, you've, you know, it's still there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just an example. I mean, any, any, any enterprise sales component that we're talking about, some some team has got to make an investment and, and impact other teams 
Um, and it's, that makes it super hard. You, you're, you're, and you're, you have to look at your product and say, how do I help my champions con communicate value in, in other, to other groups? Because otherwise you won't, you won't be able to sell. And that means you do have to be able to help. Your product has to be able to help them and you have to be able to help. Yeah, well, that's, what Luke, that's what Luke is pointing out. But it's there's an element of you know psychology and organizational therapy involved. Yeah, and uh, it's great when you when you help people through that. And I've been I've been lucky and been proud to have have seen it happen. I've also you know you know checked back on a <clears throat> an active you know deal that was in 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 the in the process for you know however long and check back six months later i'm like hey how's it going with that and you just see the guy just shakes his head like uh. <laughs> we found problems and and quite often it's organizational challenges you know and it's also oh boy talk about free software how about stuff that's wrapped inside a license agreement that is even worse than free it's expensive but now it appears free and now they have this thing of like, oh boy, I've I've got to use this now because not only it's free, I already bought it. And oh boy, that's a that's a different dynamic all altogether. That's I mean, good on them. You know, it's, there's some interesting psychology into how you do that. Like you suddenly create this thing of you know that's that's true sunk cost fallacy. Like you just you own this, you'd better get some value out of it. And then to top it off, we'll give you some free free credits, you know, to help you with a couple, little bit of services or education. <laughs> and we just keep like kind of moving them closer to the line that's not the finish line; it's the start line. And then you and and I and 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 folks like Luke are coming in, going, "We're going to show you the start line and the finish line. They're really close, and we're going to do this together. And you're going to get why we do this really fast." And then they dig in versus you know that whole thing of like. We're going to teach you what what could be valuable, and then we're going to send you down a path of disillusion for the next like seven months trying to figure out how it actually works. And this this to me is, and now we're 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 crossing the line into a whole nother um, podcast about about you know these these open source challenges and things like that because um, it it can be very easy to be so wrapped up in avoiding the conversation about you know price and paying for something and you know focusing on utility that you end up you know down down this you know I, it has I, I don't I, you know I'm so afraid to have the conversation about price or spending money that I'm going to be wrapped up in you know something that doesn't work or subpar results or things like that and and this is this is the flip side of this there's a whole bunch of flip sides um, of the enterprise sales piece is that if you're not willing to take on the fact that, you know, we pay for software, we pay for value that's being created. And it's, I don't care if it's software or not. If, if your company is using, and I've said this multiple times um, on podcasts, uh, if, if your company is using software and not paying for it, um, then the, there's no sustaining pattern. You're, you're not, you know, attributing that value somewhere. Um, and that, that's also very risky. If if you're not if you're using something that doesn't have some price, um, that you're paying into that community somehow, then you're not you're going to lose you know it's not going to be sustained. It's not a sustainable model. No, and and it's and it's unfortunate that we we have this. That's a it's a tough battle that we've had internally in in a lot of open ecosystems. Like like there's a value we attach to this. So why 
why should we then, when a, <clears throat> when a company comes along and then creates a commercial product wrapped around this thing, why do people go like, oh, you know, they shouldn't do that. Like, well, you didn't. So <laughs> if they can do it, then you should see the value that you're creating and you then have a choice. Do you do your own, you know, or do you join that company and, and help to further the value of this open ecosystem you're creating? There's nothing wrong with commercially commercially wrapped or packaged or supported open source software and 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 you know that's <laughs> well, wait it, it has to be this, this to me is now we're now we're straight back into the um the the one uh, you know yet another wrinkle in in luke's post it's like even if you have open source software somewhere there's commercial support for it somebody somebody is paying somewhere especially for production operations like we're involved in it operation stuff so there, people are not doing this out of the goodness of their heart. Nobody runs a data center for fun. It's just not a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, hey, you, hey, I, I know there's some hobbyist somewhere who has a has a, a a you know a truck full of nooks and pies that they think is fun. Great. Nobody runs a data center for fun. They are they are for profit enterprises. Um, and and Intel doesn't give you chips for free, and the network companies do not put bits on wires for free. There is no part of this except the software that is not something people expect to pay for. When you look at enterprise sales, if if you're shortcutting that process, you're shortcutting the team part of that that conversation. And that that's um, I guess I'm trying to put a bow on this, uh, Eric. Am I am I is, is this the bow? The bow is it's a it, it's it's always about you building a team and communication. Absolutely. You know, it's whatever the, whatever the story is around it, the theme is there, right? It's, it's, it's the same way that every, you know, there's only whatever they say, there's only three actual storylines in the world and every movie comes from them. Well, yeah, like that's, <laughs> it's, it's there. It's like, this is country it. song mashups with the chords. Yeah, that's right. It's, this is it, you know, some, 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 this is the enterprise version of my dog ran away and got run over by a train and my, my, my wife left me and I'm drunk. Like, wh like whatever the country, you know, isms are like, it's, this is it. This is enterprise story of, you know, should we be spending money? Is it services? Is it whatever? Like, it, it, oh, wait a minute. What's the actual problem? We don't actually know what we want because we don't communicate. Uh, you know, it's there's having those hard conversations. It was actually a, an interesting, an interesting fellow. Some would say, you know, challenging to listen to, depending on on how you listen to him. Uh, Jordan Peterson, Doctor Jordan Peterson, he's Canadian, so I got to give a shout out to Canadians. And he talks about how like the breakdown of marriage and this is the perfect that's another play of the same story it's like you have to have really difficult conversations so that you can understand what the goals are and get to that resolution but if you don't have those difficult conversations then what happens is you're unwilling to have the even more difficult conversations and then you have a you have no choice you think but to actually exit the situation and here we are and, and this is the enterprise story there right it's like you have to figure out you have to communicate well internally. You have to help them communicate well amongst their team as you're bringing this new thing into them. You communicate value. You communicate benefit. You communicate, you know, then the other side of how do you do the justification and the cost and whatever. That story plays out with a different group of people potentially. But 
it has to have played out first and the people that are going to use the thing and understand there's a value in the thing that you're about to pay for. And here's, let me help you show that value and find it fast. It's, it's, it's magic when it happens. Uh, and, and it's, like you said, it plays out over and over again, but, uh, you know, nothing, nothing new being written and somehow we keep discovering it again, which is, it's, it's natural. It's, uh, but you're hundred percent, you know, that's, this is it. This is the bow, uh, you know, play this podcast in 14 years, same problem <laughs> happening, <laughs> whatever it is, it's still there until then. Put this one in the old uh, time box. What are those things? Remember, you used to like bury them as a kid, and like you would put like your, your like little time machine. In. <laughs> I, have, I, have a, I have a time capsule up in the closet with a whole bunch of newspapers from uh, two thousand one. Nice. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and some electronics too. Maybe the tapes will still play. Who knows? But uh, with that, uh, let's let's wrap this up, um, and. You know, we'll we'll come back to it for the audience. I, I hope this was helpful. I think Eric and I, um, you know, free ranged a bit on this. Uh, the the issues are very real. Um, I hope we've we've helped you think about it. And if this jumps out at you and and you want to talk more about you know the open source pieces um, or the enterprise sales pieces, you know, give us a shout. Either one of us. Um, you know, I know we'd love to have the conversation continue with a new voice. Um, for the latest shiny, we are intent on talking about the challenges around open source uh, and monetization models, and that's a very real thing for us. So we'd love to hear you, Eric. I, I know you like to take on, you know, how how we communicate about enterprise and um, sales process and value. So it's uh, it's kind of funny that I never thought I was going to be involved in sales, and somehow I've in watching it occur poorly in so many situations and been on the other side of it. I'm like, oh. I think I can help it actually work. It's actually kind of cool. And it's it's not evil. It's not fine. It's not scary. It's uh, it's fun. And 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 I appreciate being able to share some some good stories and insights. And yeah, I, I may have taken us down some dark paths. So hopefully, if anything, it leads you to questions. That's I hope that anybody that listens to a thing that we talk about or that I talk about is that if it doesn't give you an answer, it, it helps you ask the right questions in the next time you're facing this thing. Eric, how should people get in touch with you? All right. Well, let, luckily it's easy. There's lots of ways on the intertubes. Uh, you can reach me. I'm on Twitter. It's probably the best way. I'm at Disco Posse on Twitter. Uh, my DMs are open. In fact, that's probably the best way. I, I, I don't check mentions as often as I should. Uh, I'm kind of like detoxing a bit from from social streams just because it's been busy. Uh, but yeah, send me a DM. That'll email me. Uh, definitely, you can you can reach out. Of course, you can find me. I'm doing lots of stuff at Turbonomic. I'll be in and out of events. Uh, but anyways, definitely reach out through Twitter. That's the best way. Uh, hopefully, you know, catch me on the podcast, which is super fun. So it's discopossepodcast.com because there's never too many Disco Posse URLs. And uh, yeah, I look forward. I'm definitely open to chat on anything. And, and thanks for, for having me on again. This is a blast. Our pleasure.